Hi everybody, welcome to another Chats with Children. I hope you're safe and well. It's a lovely, gorgeous, sorry, sunny day here in Surrey. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Darren Barrington Light, who is the I'm gonna get his job title right because it's quite a long job title. Uh, senior manager, product marketing for chromatography software at Thermo Fisher Scientific. And today we're going to be talking about data handling in the modern laboratory. So Darren, first of all, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Enjoying a, a nice sunny day here today. Cool. And where are you calling in from? I actually, um, I live in the southwest of the UK, uh, just kind of southwest of Bristol, anyway, just near Western Supermare, for those who might know, down in Somerset. Uh, well, just as you say the word Somerset, you just think of the sun, actually, and a <laughs> relaxation as soon as you say the word Somerset. Anyway, it comes to mind. Uh, so before we start talking about data handling in modern labs, could you give people a very quick overview of Thermo Fisher and also your own background? Yeah, sure. Um, so obviously, I mean, Thermo Fisher Scientific, one of the biggest kept secrets right i mean in the scientific <laughs> world we're huge outside of it probably no one's heard of us right apart they saw us walking a, a box down to downing street about 18 months ago right um yeah we're obviously a huge company 30 billion dollars eighty thousand people working for us now huge in the scientific around to help making the world healthier safer and cleaner me personally i've been working for over 23 years for the company now in in the yeah including dynex time where i work with chromelian cds for over 20 years now and working with chromatography data systems in people's labs in, in different areas. So yeah, um, currently now leading up the product marketing team for uh, Chromelian, so yeah. Fantastic, all right. So let's start off with a, with a sort of overall arching question about the market. How has uh, the market changed in terms of lab software usage due to the pandemic? Because obviously with the pandemic, a lot of people have been working around it. So what's the impact been on that? I mean, the biggest impact we've seen is, is, is a demand for working remotely, right? For not being in the laboratory, particularly when people have been furloughed at home. Um, but companies are looking for a way to keep the laboratory running or minimize the number of people actually in the lab. And if they can have a few people preparing samples and people processing the data either outside the lab or even off site, it, uh, you know, it's a big benefit for them. The other side of that, it's not just about data processing and reporting and running samples, it's also about administration of the system, being able to do that without having to go in the lab and on site. So being able to upgrade the software, manage users, right, all that kind of stuff from, from the, almost from the IT side, um, being able to do that remotely without having to be present physically in the laboratory is, is again, we're seeing that as a big, big demand from our customers. Right. And, and apart from working remotely on that, are there any other needs or issues that have arisen? in terms of using the software because of the pandemic? I mean, it, one of the, obviously, in order to be able to work remotely, you need that networked enterprise system. You need a lab-wide right. system, and you also want a central data repository. So all the data in one place, so you can share that data and work with that data much more easily. So that, that's kind of, you know, we're seeing a lot more demand for the networked enterprise systems. Um, you know, people wanted to connect up clients and remote clients to their systems they have right now to be able to do that remote working. Right, well, that's an interesting question because obviously when you start talking on a much wider basis than in enterprise systems, you have got different stakeholders involved. It's not just in the end user getting involved and you just mentioned IT as well being another stakeholder. So uh, what are the different needs of those key stakeholders when you are looking at a lab-wide data system? I mean, I say, as you mentioned, there's, there's several different stakeholders, right? So, I mean, obviously there's the end user, the guy on the bench who's going to be, you, well, guy or girl, sorry, should be, should be a... Uh, to be correct, um, who use the system day in, day out, they're gonna be running the samples, processing the data. You then have the lab manager. He's gonna, he's gonna have a, or he or she's gonna have a different um, uh, requirements. They're gonna have a different view of what the software should be doing for them. So I mean, maybe I should take these through and kind of talk about some of the other things. So the lab user's gonna want ease of use, right? They're gonna want the system to make their life easier, an easy UI, easy to learn, easy to work with, with smart tools that will get them through 
analyzing the data and processing the data nice and quickly, right? Um, I mean, for example, Chromelian has this tool called eWorkflows, which basically allows you to really quickly build the sequence. It contains all the tools for processing the data, reporting the data in one box that so you can run in a few mouse clicks and your analysis should give you results, right? So things like that really streamline that and really speed up the data processing. Um, they're also challenges around auditing. I mean, looking at what's been going on with the system, uh, reviewing those audit trails, but also using them for troubleshooting. So they want that kind of ability to, if something goes wrong, can I understand what it is and get it, get that information out and, and, and really kind of quickly resolve the issues. Lab manager, he's more likely or she's more likely to be um, caring about reviewing the data. Can I get access the data to review it, sign it off? Can we get the, um, everything up and running? Is it going to stay up and running 24-7? You know, do we have downtime? That's what you don't want in the lab, right? Sure. Um, it's all about, sometimes it's all about cost per sample. And the more time you're up, the faster you can do the analysis, the lower your cost per sample, right? And they also, where we will be thinking towards paperless lab, right? Can we go electronic and digital? We don't want to print everything out. Can we save money by not printing everything out, right? And again, software, CDS software has a lot of options to help you with that, right? IT, they will have a slightly different view on this because... They really are just managing the data. They're looking after the back end of the whole system, right? So they, they care about uptime, massively care about uptime, right? They want the system up and running. They need to make sure that there's backup and disaster recovery. So if something does go wrong, firstly, the lab needs to keep running. And secondly, they need to get it back up and running again nice and quickly. Um, they also want a system that's going to fit with the infrastructure they already have, right? You want, it, you want it to fit with the network you've got, with the databases you've got, with the hardware you've already got. You don't want to spend out a huge amount of extra money if you, know, if you can work with what you've already got. Um, and then they want it easy to deploy, easy to maintain. They don't want to put a huge effort into maintaining this beast, right? They've put in a lot of effort to get it in there. They don't want to spend hours and hours and hours every week maintaining it, right? And just, just fixing issues. They want it to run, right? But at the same time, whilst they want it super stable, they also want it future-proof. They want it to be able to adapt to their future technologies because they're looking down the road of what technologies are they, is coming next for them. Sure. Now, and a good example of that would be cloud, for example, right? or virtualization, and can the system support that? Will it be uh, able to support where the IT department's going in the future? Then the only other party that I really think would be involved is, is kind of like the validation, the QA department, right? right? Because they have to make sure it's, it's working properly, particularly in a regulated area. They're going to have a vested interest in, can I validate this really easily? Can I get it qualified really easily? And will it meet the regulations and allow us to meet those standards? Um, and is it going to make my life a pain, you know, with things continually, you know, every time we have an audit, is it going to be flagging up issues right so that's what they're they're really really caring about that side if you have the validation side of it so there's you know different people have quite different needs when it comes to a, a, a laboratory-wide system particularly if it's business-wide as well right you brought up a very interesting point there though because you talked about uh, making it future-proof and obviously technology is changing so fast and the speed of change is accelerating all the time you know as technology develops so in terms of the cycle you know how has the cycle changed, you know, in terms of that technology change, you know, from a lab going, okay, we put a system in, it would take, we'd have this now for, I don't know, I'm going to pluck on it, figure out the sky 20 years or 10 years, say for argument's sake. Has that now been shortened, say now things might change within five years or three years? How, how much has that sort of life cycle changed over the last few years? I think, I think CDS is still an incredibly what we would call sticky product, right? Once you've invested a huge amount of time and effort in getting that system in, possibly validating it, qualifying it, installing it, customizing it to exactly fit your workflows, it's difficult to change out to something else, right? Is that it's working, let's not break it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing, right? But with 
technology moving on quicker than ever. And particularly, you know, we are seeing cloud coming. People are looking at cloud now, right? As can they, particularly on the IT side, can they leverage the elasticity of the cloud, the cost savings that come with that compared to having hardware on site? Um, plus, it can actually offer security and reliability benefits, right? People might go, oh, security, I'm putting my data somewhere else. That's really scary. But actually, the cloud can actually be even more secure than a server in, in a server room in your, in your business, right? Um, so there, there's, yeah, I would see people are, maybe looking to move a bit quicker than they would be otherwise um, towards uh, towards these kind of mod, modern uh, technologies. But at the same time, those who've got it, they like it, it's working, don't you, don't, and the people in the lab don't want to change, right? They got what they use, they know they love it, it works for me, I don't want to learn something new, right? I love it, it works fine, I know it. Um, but I think people are starting to think, what's next, what's coming? You know, the CDSs haven't, really changed that much in the last 10 15 years right yeah they have there's been new features come in there's been new ways of doing things but there's no been real huge milestone like you know huge light year change in it and i think the cloud could be the biggest step forward that's going to happen where suddenly you're leasing the software you you, you don't even host it on your servers right you just access it through the internet and connect your instruments up to some box that then connects to the internet and everything's done remotely right and someone else handles all the data now that's pretty square scary for a lot of customers possibly particularly in regulated areas right yeah, pretty yeah. scary but for the it guys they're thinking cost savings my goodness the cost savings we can get here the additional reliability we can get so is that trade-off again trade-off between what the lab wants and what the it wants right so they may be slightly different but in the end they're all working towards the benefit of the business so yeah that's kind of what i would see well that's really interesting i mean that leads on actually to another question i've got which is and you just mentioned it in some ways um, how important is connectivity for lab data systems Actually, it's actually really important, actually. Um, and I'm not Sorry, one more question. And what do you mean by connectivity as well was my next, my, my additional well, uh, Yeah, well, that's a really great question, actually. Connectivity, what I mean by connectivity is, is you think of the total data lifecycle. You've got the point where you acquire data, then you use the data, you share the data, you store the data, and then you essentially delete the data, right, by right, the end of lifetime. And connectivity applies all the way through that, right? You've got to connect to the, the instruments, whatever it is, to collect the data in the first place, right? So Carillion does that really well. We've got the widest range of um, instrument control on the market from chromatography instruments. We also can control all the thermo mass specs, thermo Fisher mass specs. Um, so you can take mass spec data into it and do your quantitative mass spec analysis. Um, but we also have partners where we work with to connect to other systems. Um, but it's also not just about connectivity to instruments. There's also certain techniques that may be there that um, have specialized software that we don't want to necessarily build every last little bit of technology, every little kind of application technique into Chromelian. So we would, for example, let's say you want to do some method development. Well, we work with partners um, to actually connect to their software. So you can use Chromelian as the base and then just they can use their software to process the data and do the method development, for example, and then the method's ready to run in Chromelian. Um, so there's a lot of connectivity around the kind of that, the lab side. You know, you can connect to balances, you can connect, you know, bring data and things like that, um, stuff like that, right? Um, but then you've also got, once you've got the numbers, you've processed the data, I need to get that information. It doesn't just stop at the CDS, it goes beyond that, right? And typically you might connect to a LIM system, right? Or an ELN or a scientific data management system, right? LIM is a lot of laboratory information management system. Um, and, and you want that data to go beyond the laboratory into the business to have business-wide decisions, right? Um, so, yeah, so we obviously talk about connectivity as well to, to, rather than connectivity just into the lab, connectivity to the business as well, to the other overarching systems. At Chromelian, we have um, 
some really amazing connections. Obviously, I know Thermo Fisher also does. Limbs <laughs> Systems, the sample manager of Watson. We have out-of-the-box connections to those, but we also have connections that have been developed for the other leading limbs manufacturers on the market, pretty much all of them, right? So if you're whatever limbs you've got, you can connect Chameleon to it with a, with a, you know, a proper interface and, and share the data, right? So, you know, we're quite, we, we pride ourselves on being quite an open platform to allow people to connect their software in. And we work, I mean, if you look at the list of partners we work with, it's huge, right? Um, you know, it's a really long list of partners, people who are developing connectivity with, without, we have a software developers kit, right? They use that to develop these interfaces to their own software to move data out, um, you know, into their system or even run samples in Chromium, right? Put data into it as well, right? So yeah, it's quite a, quite a, a nice, uh, or I'd say suite of, <laughs> of, of connectivity that we have now. All right, well, this leads on to another question, actually, uh, which, again, it's a nice little segue. We haven't even planned this, so this is all good. So what trends are you seeing in chromatography data system usage, actually? Um, several trends, actually. I mean, I mentioned one already, right, cloud. This is something I don't think – I think it's slowly taking off, right? Um, I think the smaller to mid-sized laboratories are going to be the first to go simply because they may not have the IT on site. Right. They may not have IT departments, but the cloud allows them to deploy in a way in a networked environment without needing um, cloud expertise or even IT expertise. Right. It's a much simpler way of doing it. Um, and people are really looking at it because of the cost savings. Another trend that's actually been over, over the last few years has been, been really hot and it's still pretty hot topic. And that's around compliance and data integrity, audit trail review. There's a huge amount of buzz around that. Right. Um, and then the other one which we're seeing. Um, is mass spectrometry actually coming into the chromatography laboratory. So typically, historically, QC lab was UV, right? Pretty much that was it, right? UV, maybe RI, maybe um, a little bit of FLD, fluorescence detection, right? But generally it was 2D techniques, right? right. And we're starting to see the need for lower detection limits and more information film samples in QC where single quadrupoles are coming down and people are starting to use these now. And because of the technology, and the way the software handles it, it means you can just use it like a routine detector. You don't need to be a PhD mass spectrometrist to use that mass spec in the QC lab, right? The, the, the system just gets set up and it churns out the numbers, right? And that's definitely a trend that we're seeing that people moving to, to have that, you know, in the QC laboratory to do more routine quantitative analysis. You know, I know what I'm looking for. How much of it is it there or is it not there at all, right? Because you get the lower detection limits and you get that positive, um, confirmation via the actual spectra that you get from it, right? Um, yes, and that's all, again, that's all part of like, compliance, right? Meeting the regulations, meeting the rules, meeting these lower limits of detection. But uh, so those are the kind of three biggest trends that I've seen over the last few years. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, what you said about AMS is quite interesting because, again, having been to ASMS every year, except for last year, obviously, which was, we didn't happen, but um, the trend has always been for the the instruments become more and more sophisticated in terms of what they can do, but actually easier to use as well at the same time and take a smaller footprint. So, so you know, therefore it makes it more accessible, if you like, to the yeah. to, to, to lab users because you don't, like you said, need a PhD to use the instrument anymore, but it's actually very, very powerful. Obviously you need the budget to buy it as well because they're not cheap. But, <laughs> but, the, fact is, True. You know, but the fact is that, you know, yeah, that is actually, uh, you know, quite an interesting trend that you brought up. So you talked yeah. about uh, regulatory compliance. So my next question is, I mean, how have you seen that evolve over the recent years as well? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, 
I guess maybe the first thing I should do is kind of define what I mean, what I mean by compliance versus data integrity. So, I mean, compliance for me is literally meeting the rules and the guidelines set down by the regulatory bodies. Right? If you're compliant, you're meeting their, their, their guidelines. Data integrity is all about um, com- uh, consistency and accuracy of data, right? right? It's all about documenting everything and making sure that you're doing what you're doing is what you're saying you're doing, right? And, and really um, managing your data in a way that's ethical and, and you can therefore trust your data and rely on the data that you're generating, right? Another one that I hear banded around is 21 CFR Part 11, right? People go, oh, that's compliance. Now that well, it's kind of part of it, right? That's actually electronic signatures and electronic records. It means... You, if you do 21 CFR Part 11, if you're compliant with that, it means you can rely on your electronic data as your primary data rather than the hard copy, right? Um, so that's, that's, you know, the kind of the, 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 the jargon that's going around at the moment, right? But what we're really seeing over the last few years is a huge focus on data integrity. It's been a huge focus yeah. for the regulatory bodies. Um, you know, people managing their data correctly, correctly recording stuff, investigating out of spec things. You know, there's a lot of... Um, focus on that from the regulatory bodies and as part of that the most recent thing in the last few years the last couple of years probably has been around audit trails right and particularly whether people are reviewing them and actually looking back at those audit trails at the end of each analysis before they release a batch just to see was there anything going on um you know that shouldn't have been going on during the analysis did somebody stop the run and restart it did somebody add another injection all these kind of things right did somebody manually change the baseline and, and just we uh, we didn't spot it kind of thing right um, and we have, I mean, in the release, recent release of 7.3 of Chromedia, we actually put in some really cool tools to really help with that audit trail review, right? To really streamline the process and have some, you know, can actually run a query on the audit trail to pull out any events that are unusual, right? So, you know, can really help the analyst with that review um, at the end of the thing, at the end of the analysis before they do the batch release kind of thing, right? Um, I guess the last thing which I've really kind of seen in terms of compliance and, and regulatory is actually more like computer system validation. We've seen a lot of buzz around that um, with people requiring more and more um, help, right, with that. So they, they are, we are as a vendor. What do you mean by computer system validation? What do you mean by that then? So if you have a computerized system, that isn't just the software. That's the, the, the box it sits on, the right. Windows operating system, the database, everything that in t- in encompasses your your, your, your chameleon world, should we put it that way, your software world, everything that your edit runs on and it is part of that computerized system. And validation basically means you have to doc- document that everything's working properly, right? So there's a difference between qualification and validation. Qualification is what you do for instruments, right? You prove it's installed and it's working correctly on the bench. Whereas the actual validation means I've got all the documentation around it to prove that I'm using the system. So you is whilst the qualification is more focused on an individual piece of software or hardware, is it working properly? The validation is around the process, right? How do I get from A, from start to end? Have I validated that process to prove that if I follow all these steps, I'm gonna get the same result every time, right? And the computer system has to be validated to prove that the whole system works together to give me the result I want, to give me reliable data that I can confidently base my decisions on as to whether I do batch release or what the next step in my experiment is, whatever it is, right? That's what the computer system validation is. And we're, you know, we're working on, uh, you know, pre-releasing something actually hopefully later this, later this year to really help customers with that as well. So, um, yeah, we're working, we have, we have obviously have it right now. We can help customers do that. Um, but we are seeing what we can do to really kind of simplify and help with that procedure. Yeah. And, and also I think though, uh, because of the pandemic and people have been working remotely, I think the whole issue around 
data integrity and the validation has become even more important, hasn't it? Because you haven't got the people coming in physically and being able to check. So everything has to be done virtually. And that becomes even more important than that. You've got these systems and processes in place that you can check uh, at any point in time during the process. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And the ability to, to compare that the, the, the second version of your chromatogram with the third version, see what changed, you know, without having to physically even be in the lab, you can see what someone did when you're reviewing the, reviewing their, their work, if you like, their, their, their thought process, you know, as long as they're recording everything that goes on. I mean, Chromelian has a really cool tool called Privileged Actions, right, which Chromelian would automatically con uh, collect and record who it is that's doing it, when they did it, and what they did, right, because you have a log on, so we know who you are. Uh, we've got a clock on the computer, so it knows when it's happening, and it knows what you did because it's recorded the actions. What it doesn't know is why. Why did you do that? And privileged actions allow you to um, ensure that the user gives a reason as to why they've done that action to justify it, right? And that's really important, really, really important um, as part of the um, you know, compliance and data integrity because it allows a reviewer to see, you made this change, but you can, it's justified, right? And particularly in front of an auditor, he says, well, why did that baseline get moved from there to there? I mean, obviously, maybe manual integration isn't ideal, but if you did it, why did you move it? And you can, if you can justify it, then that's fine, right? It's valid. But if there's no reason for it, that question, the auditor might question that, right? So again, the, these kind of things really simplify the review process, um, especially when you're not physically there and you can't physically ask the person, why did you do that, right? <laughs> Brilliant. All right. So my, my final question around this is that um, what do you need to consider when using the cloud with lab data? Actually, I kind of, this is this is actually really interesting because we've uh, we've spoken to a lot of customers about what you know what the, what they see as the kind of things that they're concerned about. Right, number one always comes out data security every time. Right, I am now longer in putting my data in my my building. It's gone off somewhere into the internet. I don't know where it is. Right, um, it's always a bit scary. Right, if the, if the internet goes wrong, someone hacks it. What could happen if someone hacks my data? Um, particularly for a big pharmaceutical company, all your IPs there, all of your coming up and coming drugs, and someone hacks it. We had this right with. People trying to hack um, Moderna, right? During the early days of the pandemic, trying to get in to find their secrets about what they're developing, try and get a jump on them, right? So um, yeah, there's a, that's the security. That's one That's one concern that people have. And I think it's kind of valid, but I think, I mean, a lot of companies operate in the cloud now and the security is almost probably even better than, you know, in your own site some ways, you know, because um, how, many after, how, many, how many times have we seen now of people getting um, signed up ransomware attacks, right? On their own systems, they're not cloud-based, they're on their sites right and they're getting ransomware hacks because they, their system's been hacked through unfortunate people clicking on a link somewhere or by mistake and logging into some you know nefarious website by mistake yeah, sure um and it's happening more and more frequently right and it's it's, it's probably just as secure going onto the cloud as it is on your own premises these days right um so yeah and then part of that again will be the data location where is my data right um some companies have to legally keep their data within a country Right? They cannot have it outside the borders. But the good thing is with cloud providers, you can actually specify that. So that's right. kind of something that people care about, they're, they're worried about, but actually it can be negated just for your contract with your, uh, with, your, with your cloud provider. They can say, you can say, it can only be held on servers within the UK and they can make sure that happens, right? And they can ring fence it. Um, validation and compliance. Instead of big, well, that's another question, right? I'm no longer in charge of my IT. Someone might change that. They might upgrade it. They might change to a different operating system. They might put a different box in the background. They might change the server. And I've got no change control over that, right? And I said, therefore, my, 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 my system validation, my computer system validation might be invalidated, 
Um, but again, this is the kind of thing that you can negate with your contract and how the uh, cloud provider is providing the services to you, right? You, you, they have these ones now where they are aware of companies needing these change control and this controlled updating of stuff, right? One thing I would always say, actually just kind of almost touching back on data security is you can guarantee a cloud provider will be using the best antivirus software, the best firewall, the best protection and security they can possibly have for your data, right? Guarantee it because it's their business, right? <laughs> um, then the other, I guess the only other real concern that people really have is, is data access. What happens if the internet goes down? What happens if the, if the cloud data center goes up in smoke, right? Where's my data gone? How am I going to get it back? Um, there's less concern typically around, do I keep the lab running? Because I mean, especially with Chromium, we have this, what we call network failure protection mode, where essentially if the network goes down or the, the internet connection to your database goes down, Chromium just keeps running. Essentially, it switches over to like a workstation mode, right? It just automatically just keeps running. Don't lose any data. You can still process data, run new sequences. Everything's, you know, as it was. The user might not even notice if it goes down for a short period of time, right? Um, but if, if I've got data that's historically on the server, how do I get to that, right? What and then one thing I'd also say is the cloud providers automatically back everything up, right? They have these failovers. If a server goes down, you might not even notice it in the cloud because they have this automatic failover, right? One server dies, it just picked up somewhere else immediately, instantly. You might not even notice that the server in, in the cloud provider went down, right? So um, yeah, there's a lot of concerns by people and it's sometimes to do with a lack of understanding and sometimes they are genuine concerns, right? I mean, oh. if I'm legally required to keep my data within the UK, I've got to keep it within the UK. And if you can't help me with that, then I can't use it, right? So um, yeah, those are the kind of the biggest concerns that I typically see. Brilliant. Well, that that is really, really thorough. So thank you very much for going through that, Darren. I mean, that's a really fascinating subject. We could talk for hours literally about this, <laughs> but I know we haven't got hours to talk about it. But thank you for giving that great overview of some of the issues uh, around data storage and so on. So where can people get more information? Okay, so um, actually at the moment we're um, running a webinar series um, around uh, compliance. Um, it's kind of focused on IT, but it's pretty much open for anyone where we talk about remote working, we talk about backup and disaster recovery, talk about the total data lifecycle. And we've actually got another one coming up on June 29th, um, focused on compliance. Um, again, compliance, data integrity, and those aspects of it, um, almost from, a, from a, a networking kind of side of things, right? rather than the user in the lab, looking at it from the top rather than the bottom, right? Um, of course, you've also got our website. You can go to thermofisher.com forward slash chameleon, and we've got a bunch of stuff there as well. Brilliant. Well, we'll put the links above the video so people can find out details about the webinar and also the other information that you've got on the website. Um, if anyone has got any questions, though, I'm sure they can leave them for you below the video and also message you directly on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. No problem at all. I'll put words into your mouth there, mate, but there you go. So. <laughs> no worries. I mean, I'm happy with that. That's not a problem at all. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always always happy to get questions and, and you know, connect with people, so that's not a problem at all. Brilliant. Well, all well, then thank you very much for taking time to talk to me. Genuinely, it's a really fascinating subject. You know, there's so many different aspects that we can talk about when it comes to lab connectivity and data integrity and so on. So thank you very much for sharing your wisdom and your experience and the feedback you've had from customers. It's been really interesting. Thanks very much for that, Darren. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I uh, look forward to next time. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it. And uh, so viewers, if you've got any questions for Darren, then by all means, leave them below the video. Put them in the comments box. You can message him directly on LinkedIn as well. He is on there. You know, he, he can't hide. Um, and also, 
um, check out the links to the upcoming webinar. The, uh, as Darren mentioned, there have been other webinars which are now available on demand. So even if you've missed them, you can still catch up with what uh, they've covered in those particular webinars, as well as register for the one coming up in June. And the website has got loads of extra information as well on there. So there's lots of information and data there if you'd like to know more. So I hope you found that useful. I certainly did. Darren, thank you very much for your time. Thank you all for watching. As always, I hope you found that useful. Until next time, stay well and stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.